0: Always tell me that you need me, and I'm weak cause I believe you. And I'm mad because I love you. So I stop I be.
1: You can learn, to appreciate me. Welcome to what she said on 1059 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and I just wanted to take a quick moment at the top of this hour to give thanks for you and all that listen to my show here and on the podcast every week. I am so grateful to have a platform that celebrates Canadian women from all walks of life and that I get to share it with you every week. Of all the things I know for sure, though, is that this show is never going to run out of great stories to share. Like my first guest, Marianne McGraw, has directed the second season of You Can't Ask That on CBC. Marianne asks all the questions you would feel too awkward to ask yourself on this incredible show. She shares some of the questions that even made her a little uncomfortable, and why she believes this show is bringing people together. It's been a tough year for businesses, so it's a delight when we get to celebrate a Canadian women-led business that has seen its sales increase a whopping 77% in the last year. Nitu Gudara is the co-founder and chief growth officer of Social Light Vodka, and she joins me to share a little bit of the story behind their success. Parents have an unspoken expectation that their children are a reflection of their most enlightened selves. All your good qualities on display in a smaller, younger person. When the school calls about a behavior issue, that expectation gets challenged or shattered. Not only are you feeling caught off guard, your blood pressure rises and you're already imagining the end of your child's life at your hands. Before you go off the deep end, though, take a deep breath and listen to what Allie Payne has to say on this issue. I'm personally starting to think that I should relocate what she said to Barbados after my interview with Tanya Kadikian from Development Counselors International one of the leading consultancy companies in marketing places. Tanya is here to inspire us to keep dreaming of travel with a few of their top destinations. And Brody is here to share details on Percy, a new film with Christopher Walken as the lead that chronicles the true story of Percy Schmeiser, a Canadian organic canola farmer who stood up to American agrochemical and agricultural biotechnology corporation Monsanto and won. Plus, The Right Stuff, a new series from Disney, and more great shows to fill your time. Finally, suddenly finding yourself a widow is heartbreaking and challenging at the best of times. Under the umbrella of COVID, it can be especially difficult. Susan Kendall has been through it and is here to help guide and inspire women through one of life's greatest hardships with her new group, Evolve for Widows. It's another full hour at what she said, so let's get rolling right now on 105.9 The Region. have you wanted to ask someone a highly personal question but stopped yourself because it would seem rude or insensitive? It's something we've all done. Marianne McGraw is the director of You Can't Ask That, a CBC documentary series now in its second season. Marianne believes that inspiring women come in all different packages and face diverse challenges their strength shines through how they rise to overcome those challenges. This series showcases that strength with an inside view of how they answer some of the awkward questions they hear all the time. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Hi,
2: nice to meet you.
1: <laughs> so tell me what inspires you to take on this project?
2: Oh, that's a huge question. But basically, it's because it's such a human um, topic. I mean, we were meeting—we're meeting 65 amazing human beings to, uh, in this second second season. Sorry. So it's just that uh, human contact, just that that um, a, a immense privilege of meeting those people and now sharing their stories, like uh, the, the the icing on the cake. <laughs> Because for me personally, as a, as a director, just sitting down in front of all those people and learning their life story, their challenges and, and having them being so, so humble and funny and witty and intelligent, answering those tough questions sometimes. And, and yeah, that's for me, the the most rewarding aspect of this project is those encounters. So I have to ask,
1: has there been a moment as you were doing this that you felt incredibly uncomfortable
2: with the question? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Because some questions are tough, and uh, we receive the questions from the general public, and then we choose the questions we're going to ask, and sometimes we know it will be tough to to ask those questions. So uh, there's been times when I've been like, yeah, sorry, we have to go there, but people are so generous and so open and so eager to speak out. So what I've learned is that there's no question that cannot be asked if asked in the right way. And if asked an uh, if you, if you come with an open mind and just uh, a willingness to learn, uh, everybody will, they, they all answered all the questions. They never said no, never, never. Can you give me a few examples then of some of the questions that you're asking? Absolutely, for example, we were um, in the episode Schizophrenia. Uh, we had a question regarding violence, so for example, asking, "Are you violent? Are you going to snap on me it 's a question that that, re- that we received uh, a lot. That question came uh, came around a lot, so um, it was very um, it was tough to ask, but people were really happy to answer that, that question because they do receive that uh, a label that that, that, schizo- that people living with schizophrenia are violent. And what was very interesting to, to learn is that um, it's not true. It's not a common aspect of schizophrenia to be violent. Most often they will be violent towards themselves suicide rates are very high with people living with this condition so it was interesting to learn that uh, it's not what we think and the compass is going somewhere else than what we think. Uh, A lot of questions about uh, sexuality Uh, relationships. Uh, People are very intrigued to to ask those questions. Even to people living with bipolar disorder, they were like, I don't know why people think I cannot have a normal sexual life because I'm living with bipolar disorder. So they were open to go in that, uh, open that aspect of their lives too. So that was sometimes tricky to to go there, but everybody was super open-minded and yeah, eager to speak out, as I said. So
1: where do you find then the subject matters that you that you speak to the people you speak to? How do you find them? Um, And and considering this year in particular has been sort of, you know, uh, quite insane with the news. um, Are you focusing on on topics with people, uh, you know, indigenous groups, black lives? Uh, Are these uh, topics you're touching on as well?
2: Well, this year we shot right before we shot this series right before all of this happened. So we shot in uh, last September. So it was before all of those topics. But we always keep in mind that we want to represent Canada in its whole. So we want to be... uh we want to have people of different cultures, different backgrounds, different um, uh, everything. So it was always, and even for season one, we really, really want to uh, have an, a, a, a true, true portrayal of Canada. So if I was shooting right now the series, obviously we would consider those topics because it's like it's so it's so crazy right now and um so no (laughs) because we're right 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 before everything like sort of exploded Mm.
1: okay so 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 sorry do people apply then to be part of the show
2: or do you uh find them yourself well, we, uh, we go like through online, uh, an online process, Facebook, everything, uh, associations. We have a, an amazing research team that call and, and try to find those people. So, and because it's season two, it's been a little easier because people have seen the first season. Because uh, the, the title of the series can be a bit scary <laughs> at first. Uh, so now that season one is out uh, and they saw our process, and how everything is done with so much respect and love. I have to admit that the love is at the basis of this series. Um, so it's been easier for season two. People uh, see that show as an opportunity to become advocates and, and, and to speak out finally. Finally, they can speak about themselves. It's not people talking about them, it's them talking about themselves. So that's very um, appealing to them. So, what is your hope then with this show? What is what is the end goal then after people watch this show? To, to open a dialogue, just to um, remember that we are all the same, whatever our path, whatever our conditions, whatever, whatever. We are all the same. We are all trying to live our lives to the best, to the fullest. Um, Maybe try to ban the word, the word normal because what is normal? There's no normalcy. Like Everybody has their own normal. So just to open a conversation. and if you, if you see someone that to you seems different, try to just learn about that person. Try to ask those questions. Try to engage a dialogue. Especially now we're all a bit like in our own little bubbles and times are so uncertain. Just to remember that we are all in this together, in this life, on this planet, whatever our, our pasts and conditions so yeah just engage a conversation that's my main goal
1: so i imagine though there's still a lot more questions to be answered
2: so are you planning for a season three uh we don't know yet because season two uh is out now so we we'll, it's always the same case you try to see the response and if the response is there hopefully there'll be a season three because to me this is like an endless <laughs> format uh, tons of questions, as you said, and, and tons of people who, are, who want to speak. So, hopefully, we don't know yet. Okay, excellent. So, let's talk about then where people can catch this series. Where can they find it? So, it's, it's streaming on GEM. It's been streaming uh, since October 2nd. So, GEM is the, the online platform of CBC. So, you can uh, stream the first, the first and second season uh, on, on GEM. And then uh, on CBC television, as of October nine, you will have uh, the first episode airing October 9th. So um, all across Canada, everybody can view that amazing series. <laughs> okay, and are there social channels that people can follow, uh, follow you and your work even? Well, me, <laughs> I don't have a, a personal, uh, you, you can see the, the two seasons on CBC. So if you want to see my work, I uh, go to CBC uh, Gem and you can see uh, the two seasons that I've directed. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. I
1: can't wait to catch this series. Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey,
3: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
1: Running and growing a small business has never been easy, and the ongoing public health crisis has presented a new set of challenges, from rapidly declining retail sales to a growing need for a strong digital presence. That's why it's always a delight to share success stories, especially when it's a company run by a woman. Nitu Gadara is the co-founder and chief growth officer of Social Light Vodka, a Canadian company that has weathered the COVID storm and is a prime example of a homegrown company that has prioritized their people as a foundation for their growth, believing that you're only as good as your team. Welcome to the show, Nitu.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So uh, I'm a big fan of Socialite. Just going to put that out there. Uh, it was my cooler <laughs> of choice all summer long. Um, awesome. So how, how has Socialite been navigating through COVID?
4: Yeah, it's been um, like for all of us. It's a, you know, a roller coaster um, with lots of things changing at the last minute. Um, you know, we're, we're lucky in a lot of ways. I mean, things that change were really, you know, the way we typically get our brand out there. Um, is, you know, getting people to try it. So being at beer festivals and events and concerts and all sorts of places. So, you know, our marketing plan completely shifted and we had to find new ways to tell people about our products. Um, Of course, we know, you know, for much of the summer, our sales team couldn't go into stores. There's a lot of curbside pickup happening. You couldn't have people out there selling your products. So lots of changes. I will say one thing COVID has not stopped is that all of us Canadians uh, kicking back at home and enjoying a drink or two. So in that way, we're lucky in that, uh, you know, that part of the economy hasn't really stopped. So we've been a benefactor of people eating and drinking at home, of course, more because they're purchasing their groceries and alcohol and bringing it home to enjoy. Um, But we've had to kind of navigate the changes in how we get the word out and and figure out how to sell our products. That's really been what we've been focused on as we navigate, navigate the pandemic.
1: So, but, you know, Social Light is, you have a big market share of uh, in the LCBO. So what, what is it that draws people to your product, do you think?
4: Yeah, you know, we were actually, it's pretty crazy. Like Dan, Kevin, and I started Socialite six years ago, and it really is one of those Canadian stories that started in our kitchen. We started mixing drinks for our friends and family, um, and we had this idea of vodka sodas with no sugar, no sweetener, 80 calories a can, clean ingredients. And the reason was because that's what we drink. Like when I went out to the bar with my girlfriends, I would have vodka soda. When I you know, and then when I went camping and needed something out of a cooler, there was, you know, really nothing I, I liked. And so the idea happened really organically because we wanted it for ourselves. And I think that's why people are drawn to it. We're not the only people who are looking to you know, we still want to be social and enjoy a few drinks, but we don't want to throw away the lifestyle that we carry on all week, which is we're all trying to watch what we eat, have less sugar, have less artificial, artificial stuff in our bodies. Um, And I think that's why people are drawn to it. It gives them a really delicious drink that they can enjoy. And they don't feel like they're sacrificing kind of that fit, active, healthy lifestyle.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's really been interesting to watch the shift in the marketplace. Uh, You and I were talking earlier, I remember meeting you in the early days of Socialite um, at an event, and watching the shift in, um, in the cooler market in the LCBO over the last few years has been really interesting, seeing it go from that super sugary... Hyper sweet uh, drink to these uh, no sugary drinks like non sugary, which is great. Um, but you know, you've your sales have been s- increased seventy seven percent over the last year. That's just crazy. So, yeah. what are your plans now uh, as we head into twenty twenty one?
4: You know what? I think if anything, what um, Canadians have shown the LCBO and the and the liquor stores across the country is that people want drinks without sugar. People want better for you innovation they still want to drink but they don't want when they pick up a can for it to be full of stuff so we're gonna you know our goal as a small Canadian company is we want to be the leader in better for you innovation and drinks and we want to keep bringing Canadians like more options so we're really excited about you know you can keep an eye out for not only more flavors of our vodka sodas hitting shelves in the spring but you know we're we're branching out and gonna have uh, more better for you drink options but our promise is that We always will have, you know, complete transparency of what's in our drink. So we were one of the first to put these labels and ingredients right on our cans. You don't have to in alcohol. And we really, you know, pride ourselves in that. And we're going to keep bringing out clean, low, no sugar, low, no carb kind of products for people.
1: Okay. So let's shift the conversation just a little bit. We have about a minute left here. You are in a largely male dominated industry. So, as a woman, what's been the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome um, in the alcohol industry?
4: Um, You know, I always like to say I've never really navigated my career thinking of myself as a woman, I guess. But I think the most important thing I can say is, is you really have to find your voice at the table. You have to. There's a lot of strong voices, and um, it it is, you know, you like it in any category. If you're going to try to sell yourself, you have to be assertive, and I think that's part of the battle is going into any room and in with the confidence that you, you know, have the right to be there and, you know, making sure that for our business, you know, it's, it's my job to make sure we drive the agenda forward and um, to, make, to make my voice heard as part of, you know, part of the team. Okay,
1: wonderful. So if, uh, people know where they can find Socialite, obviously to buy it, but if they want to follow along, uh, where can they find you um, online? Yeah,
4: Instagram, Facebook, just search Socialite Vodka, socialitevodka.com. And in liquor stores across the country is where you can find us if you want to taste it.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you continued success.
4: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
1: Joining me for another segment to tackle all your teen problems and I guess problems is harsh, eh?
0: Challenges. Challenges.
1: It's Allie Payne. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Allie. Thank you for having me. So today we're going to jump into uh, school.
0: Mm, When your teen gets in trouble at school or when the school calls about your teen, you pick... Um, It does happen, and it is an extremely unsettling time as a parent because we want our child to literally reflect all of our best qualities and be the most enlightened version of us. So when we hear that our child has done something to hurt another intentionally or otherwise, it sort of rises up the... "Ah!" In all of us, you know, the the, uh, monster in all of us, like, I am going to take your... Okay, so let's back
1: down. Well, it's true, you know, because it's funny you say that, like, you know, I always think my children save their best behavior. And when I say best, I'm putting that in quotes for me specifically.
3: Right. And,
1: right. and that's fine. Uh, but I would be mortified if that best behavior, again, in quotes, uh, was displayed for other people outside of the home. Uh, and so yes. when that does come out, I understand that reflexive uh, action we want to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you say that's probably not what we should do.
0: Probably not. I really like your word mortified though, because that is exactly, we literally go to mortified. So I was on the phone with a parent talking about this yesterday who was mortified. And I, that child was on the edge of losing something um, that it doesn't work to go in that reactive. So here's a few reasons. There is always about six sides to every story. So I'm not saying that the information you got was wrong, whether it was an email, a phone call from a parent, a student, a teacher, doesn't matter. But you need to go take a few breaths so that you can go and talk to your teen and hear their side of the story. There's nothing that will build trust faster for you than hearing their side. So you've got to do that for sure. And then there's a couple other steps that we, uh, I go into more detail uh, in a blog, I'll maybe send you the link for it, that you have to build empathy with kids kids aren't born with empathy. They're not that we have to teach them that. So quickly, you know, we want to make sure. So what would it be like if you were the person who was getting the negative behavior toward them or the toxic behavior? What, how would they feel? So first of all, sorry, how would they feel? How do you think they felt in this? Then put your, your teen in their shoes. How would you feel if it was you? And generally speaking, people get made fun of for things that they cannot change. So that's where you have to say, so how, how much would, would it hurt you if I made fun of your hair color or your eye color, something you can't do anything about. And then, of course, we have to talk about restitution. We can't rescue our kids. We have, do not call the school. Don't call the school and rescue your kid. They have to be able to go in and develop, give them the opportunity to develop what does an apology look like? what is, is it a a text, a a conversation, a note, but they let them come up because the parents, we go, Oh, you are going to write an apology letter and you are gonna, and the more you tell them what they're going to do, the lesson is lost. Right. Let them come up with what they're going to do. And then you can help if you need. And it's funny you say that, you know, that
1: it brings me to an example with my own teens, you know, my one daughter, uh, she doesn't, uh, you know, she goes into the orthodontist. I've made her make her own appointments now For for that awesome um and at first she was a little bit uncomfortable with that and what (laughs) ended up happening was that she just delayed her braces being on longer right so ultimately the responsibility falls to them and then they learn that very quickly that it's on me to to actually take care of these things and same with the apology and
0: how that works right so natural consequence right Like, again, in this situation, an apology letter might come, but when the teenager needs or is encouraged, let's say this, when they're encouraged to develop what the apology will look like on their own and run it by you, they take much greater ownership of it. That doesn't mean it's not going to feel super yucky to do. And you as the parent need to encourage them through that apology process, validating, yep, it feels yucky. Yeah, this is hard. Hmm. I know, I know you're going to do great. It really matters. You know, and, and the last thing I will say about this is we, as parents, we need to, from that day, henceforth, let it go. There is no shaming of, well, remember the time you, no, 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 no. You only refer back to that incident if it is to build your child up based on learning. When let's say something happens again in the future that's similar, you could say, well, remember when this happened and you managed your way through this and you did only to reinforce and encourage the learning. We need to move on and stop shaming our kids by bringing it up again and again.
1: I love that. I think that's excellent advice, not just for
0: teens, but you know
1: what? For everyone. Everyone. Let it go. (laughs) Let
0: it go. Let it go. Right. It's we only remember the good parts. Let's let go of the rest.
1: Okay. Excellent. So if people want to connect with you, Allie, and,
0: and maybe they have some challenges of their own with teens, they'd like to discuss (laughs) with you. Uh, where can they find you? They can always find me on my website, www.alliepain.com. And I have a private parents group. They're welcome to check out and it's called finding our way. And it is on my website as well. Always a pleasure to have you here, Allie. We'll see you again soon. Thanks so much, Candice. Bye-bye.
3: Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
1: A Cornell research study found that people experience more happiness just knowing they are going on a vacation versus knowing they are going to be purchasing something. And another study from the University of Surrey found that people are happiest when they know they have a trip coming up. So while we might not be able to travel right now, the science is clear on this one. Even planning a vacation can significantly improve your overall well-being. Tanya Kadikian is part of the team at Development Counselors International, one of the leading consultancy companies in marketing places. Tanya is currently the head of Canada office of DCI, and her role is to inspire Canadians to travel to really interesting places from Barbados to Tahiti. Today, we're going to share some places to explore from home and make your plans for the future now. Welcome to the show, Tanya.
5: Thank you so much, Candace. I appreciate the intro. That was lovely. Um,
1: So, yeah, bringing your stress levels down with travel, right? So, if we can't get there, at least virtually, you have a lot of ways to do
6: that.
5: Yes, we do. Um, And of course, you know, I, I completely understand that travel right now isn't working for everyone, especially with the, you know, Canadian mandatory quarantine coming home. There's a lot that we need to, you know, take into consideration before we book those trips again. But we thought for now, um, what what can we do to inspire you to make you feel like you could be traveling again? Um, and you have a lot of virtual options, but I actually just wanted to show um, you know from a perspective of being a female too what works for women. Um, so I wanted to share some of those. Uh, destinations that I think would be really appealing to you ladies, uh, whether you're a mom, solo traveler, like traveling with your girlfriends um, that are part of your bubble. um, Here are some really cool destinations. Um, I'll start first with the Caribbean. So let's look at Barbados. Um, Barbados, it's really interesting because they have um, a welcome stamp program right now. They're inviting travelers to work from home in Barbados. I think it's a unique opportunity to kind of remedy that cabin fever and, you know, at the same time, really helping um, you to unwind while still, you know, making the money that you need to make and becoming um, part of that island kind of culture. It's where you can relish in sea, sun, and sand. And, you know, as we know that Canadian snowbird effect, where we all want to go somewhere when winter approaches um you can take that kind of lifetime trip experience during during covid um i would say there's two spots in barbados that i always recommend that women should go uh, check out one being carlisle bay it has a gorgeous beach there's a lot of really cool snorkeling or diving opportunities there um and it's always sunny on that side of the island um another spot that i like to to check out too is port Ferdinand. this is on the more north side of the island so we're Less tourists typically go, um, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. There's beautiful villas. It's it's just such a nice way to really calm down and explore things a little
1: bit. Um, Listen, I have I have thought about. I've toyed with the idea of moving. Yes. What she said to Barbados. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's yes. not it's not a terrible idea leading into winter here.
5: Yes, exactly, and you know what. You can do you can do that um, uh, apply for that visa you know and bring your whole family down or you could just do um, a week kind of trip. There are direct flights coming from Toronto, so it is accessible for Canadians right now. Um, let me switch gears a little bit and talk about what is known as um, a Caribbean destination, but also it's actually in Central America. That's Belize. So Belize is known for having the second largest barrier reef, um, the Great Blue Hole. It's like an adventurous paradise. Um, But it also has a lot of really exciting things for the everyday lady who wants to kind of unwind. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But to really spark your curiosity is kind of where I like to position Belize because it has so much that goes just beyond uh, being on the beach. Um, And what's exciting is that Belize reopened for tourism yesterday on October 1st. Um, and they put together some really interesting health and safety protocols, um, such as having a safety corridor for visitors. So, you know, there are certain areas of the the country that you can visit that is certified as being, uh, you know, gone through a rigorous program to make sure that there are um, a lot of measures in place to avoid COVID. And, you know, allows for the locals there too to be. To, uh, You know stay inland or wherever they are that's not part of that safety corridor let's say um and we can have uh you know our visitors go down uh, work with local tour operators or hotels that are certified in this gold standard program for you to stay at which is really cool um what i also want to note too is that there's incredible inland experience for please um you know, there are a lot of keys, there's hundreds of keys dotted along their coast. So they have beautiful blue waters, lagoons, um, and that's all also interesting and a great way for you to unwind. But I also want to note too, that there's really awesome cave experiences. And that's something that uh, attracted me. Um, Belize is actually known to have ancient Mayan ruins being one of the first uh, countries that, that, that was founded where there were Mayan historical sites. Um, And you can visit some of the really cool caves there to see and like go really deep in it and just some of the coolest kind of tours, I would say, um, that can help you kind of take your mind off of what's going on in the world right now and just enjoy a little bit of tourism. Um, If you want the beach, I will say, check out San Pedro. I'm gonna cue Madonna's song here. Um, La Isla Bonita, that song was inspired by San Pedro and for a good reason. It is the coolest beach um, and always sunny there as well. Um, So those are kind of two of my beachy uh, destinations that I highly recommend. Um, Another um, is kind of a little closer to home. Um, I'm gonna give you a couple of two US destinations here. Um, We had to include the most famous place California, which is San Francisco, and for those traveling with kids, every component of travel is being reimagined with uh, health and safety at the forefront at the San Francisco International Airport. Of course, there's face masks, sanitization stations, and social distancing markers, but they're taking it to new heights and lows of volume with the uh, Quiet Airport Program um this program is actually committed to relieving the stress of air travel by reducing background noise in terminals like terminal-wide announcements that really induce that sense of anxiety like say you've missed your boarding call we've all been there this definitely helps with young kids as you're corralling everyone to uh to get through the airport um so i wanted to point that out that i think it's a really interesting place uh to be able to check out of course san francisco is famous for so many parts of it like the golden gate bridge uh, the Painted Ladies, um, the food scene. I mean, I grew up on uh, the shoffle House and so seeing the Painted Ladies in person was really cool. So I always recommend checking out that architecture tour. Um, I also love their walking food tours. And for those ladies you know, who want a little bit of exercise but still, and still checking out the beautiful scenery, I always recommend an e-bike ride to the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a very hilly destination. So it's a lot of fun for you and your kids too.
1: I actually did San Francisco with my daughters on a layover to Tahiti. It was one of the most fun destinations we've ever been to. It was absolutely uh, a delight.
5: Awesome. Yeah. I I have to agree with you there. And the fact that it is a very family friendly destination and, I also love it too because you want to travel somewhere but still kind of have that comfort of feeling like you're at home and i think that the community and the culture of san francisco really does resonate some of the canadian communities here so um, it, it's a great way to feel like you're traveling but still that comfort um speaking of which having that kind of comfort i do recommend for another u.s destination to check out northern virginia it's a really cool destination um, for Travel to, you know, via your car once the borders reopen in that sense, but also there are flights to get there. And why I like um, Northern Virginia is because it is, you know, a stone's throw from the US Capitol. So it has all of that incredible history, and more so because there's a lot of females. Um, who are providing really interesting experiences in Northern Virginia, and we love to support other women. Um, so I thought, you know, I could give you a sample of some of the diverse women um, on that should be on your radar when you do want to take that trip again. Um, Northern Virginia has different regions like Alexandria, Arlington, Fairfax, and the Loudoun County. Um, so I thought that I could talk about travel, obviously. Through wine, and I couldn't finish talking about a travel inspiration segment to women without talking about wine. Um, Jenny McLeod is a Loudoun uh, local who owns Crislin Vineyards. She left um, a high flying tech career in 1998 to open up the vineyards. It's a wine estate on Pimeland outside of Middleburg. She's actually the leading grower of the distinctive uh, Norton grape. And founder of the Ag District uh, Agricultural Conservation Zone. Um, so, her empire includes not just a vineyard, but a creamery with milk coming from the cows on site and a chef who creates artisanal uh, pizzas and breads from a 600 degree brick oven. So, I thought that is a really cool place to kind of check out, get some wine, relax a little bit. Um, and then you can check out other places like Alexandria. Um, Monty Durham is a fashion director at Say uh, Yes to the Dress Atlanta, and he owns uh, Salon Monte. So after you get some wine, you can head over to Alexandria and uh, check out his boutique waterfront uh, salon, which is adjacent to Hotel Indigo. So you can pamper yourself by this fashion icon from Say Yes to the Dress um, after you've had some wine, get pampering and stay at Hotel Indigo and really just have a relaxing kind of getaway.
1: Okay, well, that's wonderful. Tanya, Tanya, I should say. Sorry, thank you for getting our wanderlust kicked into high gear. We're going to throw all of the links up on the video that's going to go out on social and some eye candy, the visuals that you're going to be including in this. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for
5: having me, Candace. I appreciate it.
6: i never be
1: for Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody. Anne, what do you got for us this week?
7: Well, at the end of today's item, I'm going to refer to some horror films I'm looking at. You don't like horror? We're not going to talk about horror. Go to the website and you'll see everything there. But I want to start off with Percy, a Canadian film directed by Clark Johnson, who you know, from endless TV series and films in Canada and the States. Uh, and it concerns Perry Schmeiser, who was a canola farmer in um, out West in Canada, who was sued by Monsanto when they illegally went on his property and tested his, his seeds and found traces of their code, genetic code. Chris Walken, of all people, plays Percy. And he decides he's gonna fight Monsanto, which as you know, is, seems really foolish because they're so powerful, so wealthy. He, his actions helped bring down Monsanto. It still exists hidden under bear, but they had to fork out millions and millions of dollars to farmers all over the world for doing this kind of thing, for holding farmers hostage. It's a very, very good film well made by by clark johnson and it's got adam beach and christina ricci in it and the wonderful roberta maxwell so it's so worth seeing it's a wonderful canadian story kind of a legal farm thriller <laughs> <laughs> if, if such a thing
1: existed this is it uh, it does and, now yes and uh, and you know christopher walken uh, you know i watched the trailer that you sent over and it seems a little bit off character for him in a really great way. Like he's more subdued than usual. Um, I really loved him.
7: Yeah. And he always does a little dance in all his films, no dance. So, you know, he took this seriously. And as Clark told me in an interview that's on our website, he learned to drive a combine and harvest. So that's pretty impressive because, because Clark says it's very, very difficult. Okay. Excellent. So what else do we got? Well, Disney Plus has uh, a new series out, The Right Stuff. Again, another version of the Tom Wolfe book. Um, And it concerns all the backroom dealings and the competitiveness between the seven men who went out on the Mercury mission way back when. And they were were brought together very quickly and, and NASA was established very quickly because it was a Cold War and Russia was moving really far ahead in its space program. So it was all under duress. But, you know, it... To me it takes kind of a it's a glamorized soap opera it's about these men fighting and you know pissing contests and it's just I found it rather dull well you know this
1: is what she said so we kind of don't want the mansplaining around here right even in our tv shows
7: (laughs) yeah well we don't it's yeah it's it's corny it's it's easy you know it's it's just not good
1: Okay, well, give me, give me what the women really want this week, then, because I see David Tennant
7: listed here. Oh, Ooh, la la, love. I know, right? And he's <laughs> everywhere right now. He's, he has so many series out. In this one, Des, he's on, uh, what is it, Sundance Now. He plays a real-life British serial killer, uh, Dennis Nilsson, who killed 15 young men in his apartment. He didn't uh, sexually abuse them or anything, but he kept them for months on end, including one Canadian uh, boy um, who was uh, traveling in Europe just between school, uh, Kenneth Ockenden, he was just, you know, visiting. He wasn't a homeless person, the kind that Des had, uh, the vulnerable people Des had kind of picked on. Honestly, but the thing about it is, Des spoke honestly, he described every single thing he did in the most casual manner you know it's hard to imagine that kind of lack of response in a person he knew what he did he knew it was wrong but he made no difference to him
1: see this is why i don't watch horror movies because there's enough real horror in the world and so you know well i know but still this
7: stuff is out there and people need to know that it's there to see it. it it's the highest rated tv drama on itv in 14 years wow Sundance now, now. (laughs) And then we have the fantastic 40-year-old version, which is a 40-year-old black woman's response to Judd Apatow's movie, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. So she's a playwright. She can't can't get any of her plays produced. She's an actor. Nothing's happening for her. So she decides to become a rapper. (laughs) And she she calls herself uh, Maximus Radimus. Uh, and it's her journey as an older person having to deal with young producers and it's so funny and witty honestly you're rolling on the floor laughing but it's also extremely poignant because this woman is at a crossroads in her life and she's trying to find new success Um, and her name just give me a minute rhonda bank and she is fantastic she's a new york writer comedian very impressive stuff. So definitely try to watch the 40-year-old version. Okay.
1: On. So we've got about 30 seconds left here, Anne. So uh,
7: yeah, there's a great series called Shakespeare and Hathaway set in Stratford-upon-Avon, modern day, two detectives. It's terrific and funny and very Shakespeare-y. And I'm interviewing one of the stars, Joy Joner, this week.
1: Wonderful. So for all of these and more, you've got all the horror films for everybody who likes those Halloween style movies. Not you. That's on the website, what she said Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.
3: More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 1059The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
1: My next guest met the love of her life at 14. They married later in life, had three kids, and led a charmed life until his sudden death of a heart attack at age 54. Since that time, she has become something of a death guru, having also sadly lost her father and both of her brothers. Determined to help others cope with grief and find a rich, full life after being widowed, Susan Kendall decided to get her CTI coaching certificate during COVID so that she could help other widows move forward rather than looking back. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Candace. So why did you start um, Evolve for Widows?
8: Well, for year, I've been a widow now for six years, and for years I've been searching for a site on social media that goes beyond the depression and the, the widow's fog and things like that, because they it's so important when you're first widow to have a community that's also in the same place but i found after a few years i was searching for a next step i want to move forward i want to go on with my life and i want to find a community of women who also have been through um the loss of a husband and who really want to move forward with their life well you I know it's funny, but
1: not funny, it's tragic, actually, that, you know, under the umbrella of this pandemic, life still goes on, you know, and people, sadly, are still dying, women are still becoming widows, but unfortunately, they're now isolated. Right. So how are you helping them through this process now? Because it's not like they
8: can just, you know, go out for coffee with girlfriends. Yeah, so um, I've really try to honor those that helped me by helping other widows. And whenever someone is, um, when I hear that there has been a widow, my daughter likes to say, I'm sure you'll hear mom because I'll be calling you. And I happily speak to those widows and help them move forward. And um, because there's so many things when you first become a widow, that's overwhelming, especially if it's sudden like mine was where you don't even know bank codes and safety deposit boxes and things like that. And it's just mind blowing what evolve tries to do. And what I'm hoping is yes, I always want to be there to nurture those women always. And, And I'm passionate and not just, um, Widows. I mean, because of my history, I, I help um, people who um, are going through loved ones with Alzheimer's or whatever. But what Evolve tries to do, and what I really want it to become, is a community for those widows who are ready to take the next step. So you're sitting at home and you're thinking about a marketing idea or or moving or whatever it is that we all do. But when you're a widow, you have added layers. And I want to celebrate our community, help us together move forward and let's start businesses. Let's do all the things that women do, but we, but in a community that really appreciates the extra layers that are there.
1: So you were so passionate about this, um, that you actually went back
8: to get your degree or your certificate in coaching. Yeah. Uh, So what was that like? It's fabulous. I mean, I it, I understood when I started it that it was going to be um, also very personal and I would grow from it, which was wonderful. And I've really, you know, you use coaching in all aspects of your life. But I also thought, and I'm pretty sure that I don't want to use coaching in the traditional way, which means by having clients and charging people. I really want to add it to my toolbox of things that I can offer people who are going through the worst in their lives. And and I really felt that the coaching helped me learn other ways to talk and to question and just to see the world so I could help other people. Is there a piece of advice you would give a
1: woman listening right now who is just in the early days of being a widow?
8: Um, There's so many things that I would tell someone. But and and I heard them on myself, you don't really hear them until you're ready to hear. So each step of the way, you often will get the same advice, but you hear it differently when you're ready to hear it, if that makes any sense. But, and I'm sure it, a lot of this is similar to a divorced woman, a lot is. It's just, there's there's some things that are a little bit different, because I talk about it a lot with my divorced friends. Why isn't it evolved for women, for divorced and widowed people? And um, it could be, but there are subtle differences. And, and that's what I think I would explain to a widow is, um, you know, You will never, ever lose that life. You will always cry for ridiculous reasons and on unknown places. And you'll always feel a little bit different than others. But there are communities there that hear you and understand you and are up all night just like you are. And we're by the phone ready to hear and listen and help you. And it's really, we need to, as unfortunately, widow community is growing it's going to continue to grow at a at a very huge degree because you know all the baby boomers are unfortunately typically the women live longer and were widowed i'm a young widow but but hopefully most widows will be older and um, we have to be there for each other we have to and that's why i wanted to start evolve because i wanted it to be a community where Okay, we get it. You've had the brain fog and you've had the horrors and you've had so many extenuating circumstances that have to happen after you're widowed. It's it's incredible what happens after. But now you're at a place where you're sort of looking up and you're seeing that there's more and that life goes on and that you deserve to go on with your life too.
1: Okay, excellent. So if people want to reach out to you, talk with you, where can they
8: find you? Um, evolve for Widows. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on the website. You can contact me at just Evolve for Woman at, um, uh, at Evolve for Woman at gmail.com. I always forget which one. <laughs> and I'm I'm here for you. And I've got lots of really great ideas that I want to put into effect. But um, I'm starting small. Wonderful. And we'll grow from there. Thank
1: yeah. you. Thank you so much for what you're doing for these women. And thank you for joining me today, Susan.
8: Thank you so much. You're, you're, you're amazing and I love your show and I, I just really appreciate what, everything that you're doing.
1: Wonderful. Thanks so much, Susan. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidradio.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region.
3: Previous episodes of What She Said on 105.9 The Region.com.
6: Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exume the truth. It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the
0: Ali Mars. The one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating.